millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Syriel has a very popular following here in the United States, and it's hard to argue why that's the case, because it is such a competitive league, and compared to a lot of the other leagues in Europe, there is a pretty fair amount of parity, especially considering the last three seasons, there's three different champions, one of the few leagues in Europe that can say that. So today I'm joined by CBS's lead analyst in their, in their Serie A coverage, Matteo Bonetti. Matteo, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I honestly can't wait to get started. I've been saying this throughout the summer that I actually think that Serie A has improved overall, and I think we're going to have an even better product with a tighter race at the top of the table. I think the title race last season was especially interesting because you could say it was between the two Milan clubs, and obviously they did finish one and two respectively with Milan emerging victorious. But you could also see Napoli and Juventus were kind of hanging on there throughout the season, and while the Milan clubs did pull away, there was more parity, especially compared to something like Liga or the Bundesliga. What do you think makes Serie A special in that regard to have all these teams that have a legitimate shot at winning the Scudetto? I think it's more that you don't really have one superpower, right? You don't have the, the, the biggest difference in the 2010s, for example, was Juventus being so much better than everyone else, spending much more than any other team. And what we've seen in the last two, three seasons is, is a real change with the teams based in Milan getting better. And that's reminded us of the old Serie A, right? The Serie A of, uh, of Inter, Milan, Juve always fighting for the biggest trophies. So you've had a slightly weaker Juventus side that's been in a rebuild, that's had different managers now for a bunch of seasons. They still haven't really clicked. And we'll see now in year two with Max Allegri. But on the flip side, you've got a Milan and Inter that are finishing suddenly in the top four, that are going to the Champions League. And what that's done is obviously made it a much more tasty prospect for free agents to join a team that can offer you the highest level of European football. And they've been spending quite a bit on youth uh, players like Milan's done a really good job with uh, scouting under 25 players that have room to grow. Inter has done a, a very good job in signing players that are the finished product, like Romelu Lukaku, who they just brought back, who we know is is a proven megastar in Italian football. So having Milan and Inter finishing in the top four, I think has allowed them to spend more and in turn challenge Juventus and, and ultimately surpass Juventus, which I think is what we're going to see next season with Milan and Inter as the two favorites to win the title. I want to start with those two teams looking at this season, particularly Milan. They didn't sign, like you mentioned, too many of those established players, too many of those major names. I think 
if anything, Divock Origi is the most famous name they signed just because he's a, a cult legend at Liverpool. But it's hard to argue with the success they had last season, obviously winning the Scudetto, and now they're going to be back in the Champions League and competing on that front as well. What is your outlook on Milan this season? Can they repeat their feats from last season, or do you see a little bit of regression from them? I don't see a regression. I'm actually more bullish after they pulled off the signing of Charles de Catelare from Club Bruges. He's a very young player. Leeds was after him. Uh, he's a Belgian international. He's got some pretty lofty comparisons, and I'm not going to pretend like I watch Club Bruges on a weekly basis, but I did talk to people who uh, do that in Belgium, and they all rave about him. This is a, a very versatile young He's six foot four, technical, can score goals, can assist. He's a modern player. And I think he solves one of Milan's two weaknesses from last season, which were in two positions, attacking midfield and right wing. So they've solved one of those, which is great. They did lose Frank Kessie, but the good news is, and again, I'm looking at this glass half full, they didn't lose any of the studs from last season, like uh, Rafael Leal, who was the City MVP, Mike Manian, the best goalkeeper in the league, uh, Fikayo Tomori, the center back who really exploded last season. So they're doing a good job of holding on to a lot of the young players that have really blossomed in the last season, but adding the Catelare to me makes them a better team than they were last season. And then on the others, well, I guess the same side of Milan, you talk about Inter signing players like Romelu Lukaku, Henry Mkhitaryan coming over, Andre Onana finally coming over. This is an Inter team that seems to really be beefing up after winning in the previous season and then finishing second to Milan in this past season. Do you think there's like a certain hunger that didn't exist before? I mean, they went a decade pretty much without winning the Scudetto. And now they have it just without one season, and here they are making all these key signings. And obviously, Romelu Lukaku is a, a proven talent in Syria. How do you think he and the other signings from Inter Milan can really imp- impact their season? It's a good question. So last season, let's remember that they lost the Scudetto, the Italian title, on the final match day to Milan. So they could have just as easily won it, and they would have been two in a row with two different managers. The good news for Lukaku coming back after that uh, failed stint, the, his second stint at Chelsea, is that we know how good he is in Serie A. And he's playing in a lineup under Simone Inzaghi that isn't too far off from where he succeeded under Antonio Conte. He's still got his strike partner, Lautaro Martinez, next to him. And a better version, I think, of Lautaro, who scored the most ever goals he has in a season last year without Lukaku. So I'm excited to see those two link up again. And I think that uh, Inter will be more direct, right? They're going to try to play more on the counterattack most likely with Lukaku because that's where he does so much damage. He terrorizes these provincial defenders. You mentioned Milan and Inter are pretty much the two favorites in Serie A this season. Is there any way any of those teams on the outside looking in can breach those two that uh, really ran away late on in Serie A last season? Yeah, there's Juventus. So Juventus, year two under Max Allegri, they only finished uh, narrowly really in the top four in the last few months of the season. They had the same problem with Andrea Pirlo two seasons ago where it took until the final match day to see if they were even going to finish in a Champions League spot. There's a lot of criticism from the Juventus fans and, and rightfully so about Max Allegri being in charge. He's a manager that isn't exactly seen as someone who plays a sparkling brand of football. He's very pragmatic. You could call the style of football that Juventus play under him quite boring. And it's a shame because they actually do have a lot of firepower. And I really like what they've done this summer, adding Paul Pogba. And just like Lukaku, players that you know exactly what you're going to get 
in Italy. And Pogba's coming to a situation that's probably better than what he had at Manchester United, which was a complete mess, especially in the last few seasons when he was there. Philip Kostic was just announced uh, when we're taping this uh, on on a Tuesday morning. Philip Kostic, the player who's coming over from the Bundesliga, who's going to give uh, Dusan Vavic, the striker, so many good quality balls in. He's an excellent crosser. He has 44 assists in the last four seasons in the Bundesliga, does Kostic. So it gives Juventus another weapon. And obviously, Angel Di Maria, who, okay, he's 34 years old, but this is someone who's played at the highest level his entire career. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. I think it's a smart, short-term signing. And Federico Chiesa, he's coming back from injury after basically missing all of last season. So there is good news on the Juventus front. They're clearing out the dead weight in terms of players who really didn't fit in with, you know, Rabio apparently headed to, to Manchester United. Other players like Aaron Ramsey, who never fit in, who they finally were able to get rid of. Federico Bernardeschi, who went to MLS. These are all players that were taking up a sizable chunk of the wage bill that they were able to clear out. And that is also the other side that is pretty good news. Not just the players that came in, Kyle, but the players that left. On the topic of players going out at Juventus, what about Matthias Delict or Paolo Dybala? I know Dybala's time at Juventus kind of ended on a sour note, but it, he his time at, in Turin was fairly successful, both in terms of trophy hall and, and goals scored. But how do you think the loss of those two players, uh, Paolo Dybala on a free transfer, and Matthias Delict did bring in a pretty handsome transfer sum to Bayern Munich, but the loss of those two players in particular, how does that impact Juventus? I think Delict, especially last season, played a pretty crucial role for them. Delict absolutely did. He's actually gone to Bayern, and it turns out that he's been out of shape. You see Julian Nagelsmann, the Bayern manager, saying that he needs to get into Bayern shape, basically. So there's hints that maybe he wasn't fully fit, or for whatever reason, the training sessions in Italy just weren't getting him in the best shape possible. There is a replacement, right? So the replacement is Bremer, the Torino player, who was actually voted the best centre-back in the league. So better than Khalidu Kuldibali, Fikayo Tomori, Matthijs De Ligt, Milan Skriniar. I mean, that is quite some competition to get that award, but that's how good Bremer was. There's a few people freaking out that he was very poor in the friendly last week against Atletico Madrid. But again, I wouldn't read anything into preseason friendlies. The same people were criticizing Erling Haaland. For, for being pretty terrible last week. Uh, and then he goes out and he scores a brace in round one of the Premier Leagues. So I, I wouldn't put too much stock into a player not looking good in a friendly, but Bremer is a, a very good defender. Paulo Dybala, on the other hand, Kyle, is, is an interesting one because I think that Juventus learned how to play without him by default just because he was never around. He wasn't fit really for an entire season. He was only playing, you know, sometimes you'd see him for a few weeks and then he'd be off for a month. And they just learned how to deal without him. And he ultimately didn't really seem like he was even that big a part of the club, which is crazy to say, because I think Paulo Dybala has world-class talent, but he was a player that desperately needed a new change of scenery, I think. Even though he was very emotional to leave and it seemed like he actually wanted to stay, I think this move is going to be good for him. But I also think that Juventus have gotten players where they're they're clearly changing the system a little bit and getting players that seem to make more sense for Max Allegri's lineup. And I'll ask you about Paolo Dybala and where he ended up in a second, but I want to go from one big center back, both literally and figuratively, to another. And you already brought up uh, Khalidou Koulibaly, who left Napoli. And I think from just my perspective, and I won't act say I actively watch Napoli every weekend, 
but they're losing players like Lorenzo Insigne, Kyle Koulibaly, Dries Mertens. It's, these are staples of what I've had the chance to watch at Napoli, and now it's they're all pretty much gone. So what do you see for a Napoli team that for a long stretch, especially early on in Serie A last season, they were at the top of the table. I think they won their first, I could, I'm losing the number, but they were at the top of the table for a pretty good stretch of time, went on a pretty great unbeaten run to start the season. What, are your, what is your outlook for Napoli this season? I'd say out of the top six teams, you could make a case that five of them have gotten stronger. Napoli's the one that very clearly has not gotten stronger. What they've done is they've rejuvenated. And, okay, Khalidou Koulibaly has been linked to the Premier League every single season for the last six years. So they got a replacement, Kim Min-Jae from uh, Galatasaray in the Turkish League, that apparently is quite good. They've replaced Lorenzo Insigne, who really wasn't that effective in open play last season. Like, he was starting to slow down a bit, entering his 30s. And they signed this uh, Georgian player, and I'll do my best for the pronunciation, uh, <laughs> Kawicha Kvaratskeli, I think that's how you say it. I hope so, because I'm going to have to do this <laughs> name on commentary quite often. But he looks uh, quite good in preseason. The fans have already started calling him Kvaradona. Uh, in homage, <laughs> obviously, to the great Diego Maradona. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but you can see what Napoli is doing. Is Okay, they're losing these players that were big salaries, that were entering their 30s, or you know even approaching their mid-30s in the case of Dries Mertens. Some of them were club legends. Dries Mertens, the all-time leading goal scorer for Napoli, Fans absolutely adore him, and that was a bit of a sour one because I actually do think that Dries Mertens still had a, a part to play, even as an impact substitute. Now, the one that I think really hurts, is, and we have to see what happens, is Fabian Ruiz. This is one of the best midfielders in the league, been linked to Paris Saint-Germain, and if they lose him, then I think that is a very, very big blow in the midfield, and he is going to be impossible to replace directly because of how good he was kind of running the show as that creative midfielder who could get forward so Napoli have taken a bit of a hit Kyle and you know the 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 biggest hope if you are a Napoli fan and you're trying to be positive about this is that these young players are going to be able to uh, assimilate quite quickly and do really well in uh, in getting up to speed and and, and playing up to the level of the players that they're replacing in uh, in Syria. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I don't want to put you on the spot here, Matteo, but these four teams, Milan, Inter, Napoli, and Juventus, they finished top four last season. I don't want to expose your predictions, but do you see these four teams finishing in the top four again, or could a team like Napoli, like you mentioned, they're not necessarily improving, and they could get even worse, in fact. Do you see them maybe falling out? Same that applies to maybe Juventus. Uh, Kyle, you're going to get me in trouble again with the Napoli fans. <laughs> I actually put out a poll last week, and I only, because I didn't want to do the decision myself, I went and looked at what the bookies' odds were, and I just said, right, let's just put the top four teams that have the best chance of winning the Scudetto, and I'm going to give you the order. It was Inter nearly at even odds. I think Juventus was two or three to one. 
then Milan were somehow three and a half to one and Roma were about nine to one, let's say with Napoli 20 something to one. So Napoli were very clearly the fifth team. I put the top four Napoli fans obviously did not appreciate that, but I would agree with what the odds are right now for the teams winning the Scudetto. I think it is going to be those four. I think it's going to be Roma maybe taking the place of Napoli, but the, the, the fight for fourth place is going to be absolutely insane because everyone's sort of forgetting about Atalanta. It seems like every summer people just sort of write them off and say, no, it's, you know, surely they're not going to continue this. Last season, they did not finish in the top four Atalanta, but I actually think that was a blip. And I don't think they got any weaker this summer either. So I think Atalanta is going to challenge for fourth place. Lazio might have gotten a little bit better at year two under Maurizio Sarri. They've improved their defense. Fiorentina is going to be an interesting and exciting team under the uh, young manager Vincenzo Tejano. They got Luka Jovic from Real Madrid. And if he plays to the level that he did in Germany with Eintracht Frankfurt, that's going to be a real issue. So I think the fight for fourth place is going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, Right now, I do give Roma, though, the edge is that fourth team. So that's where there might be a swap. Roma's an interesting team because uh, everyone knows Jose Mourinho. He's a proven winner, uh, whether you like him or not. And then their signings this season, where he talked about Paulo Dybala, who's now at Roma on a free transfer. They also brought over players like Nemanja Matic, Jorginho Wijnaldum. These are names that people know, especially if they follow the Premier League. And obviously Mourinho has uh, experience in that league, and he managed Nemanja Matic on a couple occasions. So you'd say Roma could squeak into the top four. What is going to be the difference maker for them? Could it be Dybala maybe returning to form, or could it be these two midfielders, or maybe it's a player that's already there looking to uh, really establish himself and establish Roma back into that top four? A bit of everything you said. Paolo Dybala, <laughs> even, even, if, even if he gives 80% of the best version of himself, that's still going to be an upgrade right behind Tammy Abraham, who very quickly showed that he is a very good striker in Serie A. He was actually the highest scoring Englishman in, in, in the world in all competitions last season. That's how good Tammy was with Roma. The fans adore him. I also think that Vinalbadon and, and Matic, we know what we're getting from Vinalbadon. This is someone who's played at the highest level with Liverpool and PSG. He has that European experience, which Roma desperately crave, which we know Mourinho really cares about. Matic is an interesting one, right? Because this is a player that we've seen this situation happen quite often. Someone who's maybe phased out from a league where the pace is a little bit more intense. They come to Serie A and they almost get this second wind in their 30s. So I'm actually a little bit more intrigued by Matic than I think a lot of fans are, maybe that followed him closer in the Premier League, because I've seen this happen so many times where a player does come to City, uh, they are in their 30s, they have slowed down, and for whatever reason, they they seem to find uh, a little bit of a rejuvenation potion, and they start playing some pretty good football. So aside from that, Jose Mourinho, the kind of manager that I think could get the best out of a player like Dybala that could really motivate him and give him that mentality of it's you against the world. These people didn't believe in you, blah, blah, blah. The, the kind of talk that someone like Dybala might actually really benefit from. I'll wrap up with this discussion of the teams that are towards the top of the table with Atalanta. You mentioned it's always flying under the radar for whatever reason. They're a team that was in the Champions League the last couple of seasons. That's not the case this season. It was a little bit of disappointment last season, especially to finish. But this season, you know, there's a little bit maybe less pressure on them. Maybe it's at a possibility. What do you think? Atalanta are in a very good spot, right? Because if you finish outside the top four, everyone says, well, that's normal. You know, you should be fighting for relegation, really. That's been their history. They've been the team that's been seesawing back and forth between the first and second division the most out of any team. So 
if they do finish in European position, then it's yet again a testament to the work that Giampiero Gasperini, the coach, has done. I think last season was a blip. They also had Champions League. And remember, they put up a fight against Manchester United. I thought they got very unlucky in those two legs against uh, United. I think they definitely should have gotten more points than they ended up getting. So they could have easily gotten out of that group, but it did take a toll on them, that European football. They really did focus on it. And Atalanta is not like they have this unbelievable depth where they can just play at that high of a level in multiple competitions and, and get away with it. Something has to suffer. And what ended up suffering is Serie A. I think it's going to be different this season. They don't have the Champions League where they're putting all their eggs in and they're going to be able to focus on Serie A. They have incredible chemistry. The identity is there. Gasperini has been there since 2016. So it's been six seasons of drilling the same exact tactics and, 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 and everything behind the scenes and, and really getting these players up to speed of exactly what the manager wants. So I think that might be a bit of a dark horse for fourth place. I would not call you crazy if you thought that they'd go into fourth place yet again, because we've seen them in the past almost even flirt with challenging for a higher position. So from one side of the table to the other, I think it's also important to talk about the relegation race in Syria. And like you, I did look up the uh, the most likely teams to be relegated. And uh, according to this list that I had, the top five teams that were projected to be relegated were uh, newly promoted Cremonese, uh, Salernitana, Spezia, Lecce, who is also a promoted team, uh, and Empoli. This relegation battle, it maybe doesn't get the same coverage as it does in the Premier League or the Bundesliga. But it's, I mean, every relegation battle is going to have intensity, it's going to have passion. What do you predict, or not necessarily predict, but foresee for the, uh, the relegation scrap in the upcoming Serie A season? As good as the top half of the table, especially the top seven or so have been, and as good as especially the top four have been, and how great the competition has been for European places, the other side of Serie A is that you do have about five or six teams that do not have much quality at all. Uh, and I'm just looking at the list now. I'm going to go through the teams that I think have a shot of going down. Spezia, they saved themselves last season. But if you look at the team, it's, it is it looks like a second division team. Salernitana, miracle escape. Everyone thought they were going down. They somehow were able to save themselves under Davide Nicola. It's one of the great escapes in football history. I, I don't have much faith in them. Monza is actually the only team that came up that I think is going to stay in Serie A, and that's because the owner, you might have heard of him, Silvio Berlusconi, his second-in-command, Adriano Galliani. These guys have a lot of experience in Serie A. They used to run Milan. They've won everything at Milan, Champions League, league titles, and they actually were the only team that have signed not just Serie A caliber players, but really good Serie A caliber players like Stefano Sainzi. So I think Mons is going to save themselves. I currently have them in 15th place. The other teams that I think might have a bit of a struggle, obviously Lecce and uh, Cremonese, I just don't see how they can stay up. I actually think that they're going to be uh, 20th and 19th place. And then Empoli. Empoli might flirt with the relegation zone. They did keep some interesting players from last season, but at the moment I have two of the three teams from uh, that came up from City B going back down, and then it's going to be a fight between, I think, Spezia and Salernitana for that third spot. I'll wrap up with uh, Monza, who you just mentioned. They, they've they been pretty ambitious. I mean, they have the, the front office that has the experience uh, in Serie A, but also the, the signings, like you mentioned, also Matteo Pessina, who, coming over from uh, Atalanta, could be a major signing with uh, international experience, Serie A experience. What makes Monza special compared to the other uh, newly promoted teams, or even the teams that you just talked about that could be in their relegation scrap, what makes Monza stands out, stand out outside of the fact that they have brought in newer players? 
I almost wish like I could be a consultant for teams that come up from City B because I see the same issue arising so many years and it's I'm screaming at the top of my lungs at the start of the season saying, guys, this is not going to work. So let me tell you, Kyle, what does not work and what teams want to do that feel like they have this hotshot sporting director that's, you know, scouting players and leagues you've never heard of. Let me tell you what works. What works is you sign players that have City A experience, not going out and getting these young, uh, promising players from much smaller leagues that suddenly have to adapt to City A. No, it, it, that never works. And we've seen so many teams over the years come up from City B. They sign players from different leagues that have very little experience in, 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 a, in a top flight or even a top five European league. And they go right back down. They waste their money. These players end up going on loan. They're unhappy. But what has worked and the teams that have been able to save themselves all follow the same blueprint, which is you don't do these sexy 18 year old signings from whoever, who knows what league. You just get tried and true City A veterans, people who have been in the wars, people who have been in all sorts of situations in City A. And I think Mons actually eclipsed that because they got Italian internationals. They got Stefano Sensi, who was like, Marco Verratti 2.0 when he was healthy at Inter. They got Matteo Pessina, another Italian international, is right in the prime of his career. They got Andrea Ranocchia, who spent the last decade at Inter. Okay, he didn't play much, but he was still a player that put in a considerable shift at Inter that is still a pretty good player for a team that is newly promoted to have. And it's not just that. They have some interesting young players that they were able to keep uh, from their rise into City. Yeah. So I, I really like what Monza have done. Obviously, they have the financial backing that a lot of the other smaller teams could only dream of. But so far, they are following the blueprint of success of how to stay in City yeah, once you get there. And Matteo, from a holistic view, I'm just curious what you in particular are looking forward to most about the Serie A season. It could be a player, uh, any of the new arrivals. It could be a team, uh, maybe like a Monza, for example. But just as a holistic view, what in particular are you looking forward to most about this upcoming season? I'm looking forward to the Serie A shutting up a lot of the critics and haters that we've seen this summer like we do every summer. And I'm getting a little bit fired up here, but I keep seeing all these players that are leaving the league and how that's not good for the league. I had to do a list of all the young players that are coming in that have a very bright future that are going to go places. It's not like Serie A is just losing talent. They're adding some very interesting players. I mean, they're, the, the, the top teams, in my mind, are mostly, apart from Napoli, like we talked about before, getting better. I think an Italian team is going to go deeper in the Champions League than they did last season. I think that three out of the four are probably going to get out of the Champions League group stage two. So I'm not as, as negative as, as so many are because I've seen the true dark times of Serie A. We've seen them in the mid-2010s when it was Juventus with a 20-point lead over everyone else, and there was nothing to talk about midway through the season. The last two or three seasons, the league has gotten better. You've gotten tons of foreign owners. They have more North American-based owners than any other league other than MLS, obviously. These North American owners have brought in a marketing know-how, social media know-how, knowing how to connect to young fans. They're putting out great content online to try to capture the new generation of Italian Serie A fans. And we've spoken to the owners. We've gone to meeting in New York where you hear the visions that the league have. The league knows what they're doing. Like they're, They opened up a North American office. They're trying to improve the brand worldwide. It is a league that is improving. And that's not something that, sadly, you hear enough of. But I'm going to say it every single time that I get a microphone or a phone put in my face. I'm going to remind people, this is a league that's improving. Give it a chance. The product is excellent. We had the best European race. And it's going to get even better next season. 
So, Matteo, obviously, CBS still has coverage of Serie A, and their opening weekend is coming up uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, what games are you working, and uh, what can fans look forward to listening for you this, uh, not just this weekend, but maybe uh, the next couple of weeks? So uh, it seems like we've got uh, we've got quite a bit uh, going on of double headers, summer double headers. Uh, there's Milan Udinese, that's the first game to kick off the season, last uh, year's champions, followed by Inter. So there's a really tasty double header. We've got all the studio crew from last season, Poppy Miller hosting. Uh, I'll be alongside uh, Mike Grella, Marco Messina in the studio. I'll also be doing commentary with uh, Andres Cordero for whatever the usually whatever the biggest game is or biggest two games are every single round. We've got coverage on Monday, next Monday, August 15th, because Napoli and Juventus are playing back to back. So there's a lot of good games. Uh, all the biggest teams will get representation this weekend and we'll have a chance with the studio coverage to to really you know, talk big picture since it is round one, give our predictions, our hot takes, look back at all the stuff that we got wrong last season, and just generally have a good time, Kyle. I think that's what a lot of people have liked about watching our product is that they feel like they're at a bar with us. They feel like, you know, we're just their their friends. We're not taking each other very seriously. We're not taking ourselves very seriously. We'll call each other out, but we're all very good friends behind the scenes. And our hope is that you can tell and that it shows that we all genuinely like each other and we can poke fun at each other without getting offended. So I've never been in such a, a fun position on air. I've never really enjoyed myself as much as I have last season. And I only think that this upcoming season is going to be better. The chemistry is going to be even better than it was last season. So there is a lot to look forward to. It is fun to watch uh, you guys do your stuff each weekend, Matteo. And if it's possible, I'd like to pull one hot take out of you just to end this. Uh, I'm curious, who's going to win the league and who finishes as a top scorer? Uh, okay. I'm going to go with uh, the Inter Brace. I'm going to go with Inter winning the league. Very close, though. They're not going to run away with it. Like our friend Mike Grella said that they'd win by 20 points last season. That's not going to happen. It's going to go to the final match day like it did last season. I expect Juventus and Milan to be trailing uh but very close and then i think romelu lukaku is going to be the top scorer seems like a, a fairly safe bet well uh... yeah not not a, not not very hot yeah i'd say it's a <laughs> lukewarm take but i'm just gonna give you my honest opinion <laughs> hey sometimes the honest opinion is the best one uh mateo i want to thank you for doing this and like i already said i really look forward to uh watching you and the rest of the cbs crew throughout the Serie A season so thanks mateo yeah thanks so much kyle